Hello, and welcome to the Magic for Realists podcast. This is the fourth dose of this auditory adventure, where we explore the wonder and magic of the everyday world from a practical and grounded perspective. My name is Lindsay Celeste, and I value the poetic nature of normal experiences. I'm making this podcast to elevate and share that. It's my honor for to make this and to have you listening. And so thanks for joining. I am delighted that there's this strange and wonderful way of corresponding through podcasts. So thanks for joining. If you want to say hi, you can leave me a quick voice note through the link in the show notes, or you can pop over to the now up and running website, magicforrealists.ca and leave me a note that way. I'd love to hear from you. And thank you also for sharing this show with anybody that you think might enjoy it. Today's topic, oh, first off, I should tell you, as usual, this is recorded from my house, which is a real place with real noises, including my creaky couch, if I decide to get up and down, and also the rain drops on the roof. It's not raining here right now, but it has been, and there's trees overhead of my little trailer house. And so if you hear sort of like a plick-plack sound, it's the drips from the trees overhead. Today's topic in this fourth dose is called brooms and brushes. We are talking about well, I'm talking, (laughs) you're listening, to some of my thoughts about these everyday tools. Last week's episode was about expansion and this feeling of cabin fever. And so today, if you, this is sort of segues from that, if you're spending a lot of time inside, one of the really important things to do is to sweep your floor. So we're going to start with brooms and then lead from there into different kinds of brushes. And I believe that these everyday tools can actually connect us in with some pretty important and inspiring ideas. So uh, if you want to brush your hair while you're listening, that's cool. Maybe you'll be inspired to sweep your floor. Or if you're out for a walk, thanks for letting me join you. I've I've just spent a few minutes looking through Walden Pond by Henry David Thoreau, which is a classic about the exploration of finding deeper meaning in everyday life. And I haven't looked at this book for a long time. I have an old ragged copy of it that I first read when I lived in a cabin in the woods, (laughs) very fittingly. And I was hoping to find this section about him moving all his furniture out of the house every day to sweep the floor. He had very simple furniture, and I can't find it right now, and I am still inspired to keep recording, so yeah, I can't find the section, but it's there somewhere, and it also fills me with this longing to read it again, partly so I can share some of the thoughts and quotes with you. Anyways, back to my little house and my broom. So, brooms to me are very practical, magical wands. When we sweep, we are 
both physically and energetically clearing out our space. And this isn't like a deep clean, it's just kind of a a maintainable clean. And I like to think of my home as sort of my larger body, this this shell that I live in, kind of like a hermit crab. And in that sense, if my home is my body, then the floor and the walls are like the skin of my home. So if the sweeping of the floor can be like this tender caring for the skin of my home. And I start here because I'm trying to suggest that these chores that we often have been taught or told or just sort of gets like in the collective psyche that chores are almost bad, at least annoying. And like they sap our energy and they, they're a drag and like, Oh, like you got to sweep the floor and we're losing precious well time of enjoyment and also opportunity by begrudging these tasks. And so I invite a new understanding of sweeping, that it's this kind action of clearing the grit and the hair and the whatever else accumulates on your floor. In my case, it's usually bits of chopped onion and thread. I, I'm, I sew a lot of things and it's like wherever I go, I shed thread and Kleenexes. <laughs> the Kleenexes are easier to pick up, but the little bits of thread and dirt, and I often don't take off my shoes. And so sweeping is a regular occurrence. And I live in such a small house, there's not very much floor space, which is excellent for sweeping. Like, it's so fast. And so I have a very small broom. It sounds like this. And it's made of straw. If you want to really dive into the appreciation for brooms, try making one. They're tricky. They're very tricky to make. I've tried and it was quite the process. And it wasn't as successful as these commercially made ones. <laughs> this one looks like it might have been handmade by somebody far away. It's got a metal top that's what you can hear clicking around. And if you want to be inspired by beautiful looking brooms, there's a store on Granville Island in Vancouver that makes exquisite brooms. They are definitely part of elevating this art of sweeping too. It's like the brooms are so beautiful. I was going to say you almost don't want to use them, but I hope people actually do. I hope they sweep with them. They're gorgeous. And I think it's called the broom closet. So when you pick a broom, make sure it suits you. Make sure you like the broom, that it's the right size for what you're sweeping and the right kind of uh, oh, stiffness. So mine actually doesn't have a handle. It's like just a hand broom because my space is so small. I can just sort of crouch over and sweep in all of like 30 seconds. And I think especially with these chores that we've been taught are... Bleh, annoying, in order to reframe our experience of them and potentially 
think of them as a gift that we're maybe offering the space that maybe we want to be aware of what's happening in the space, whether there's stuff on the floor or not, whether we've been active and there's dirt and like, it's all great. And the sweeping allows us this intimacy with the skin of the space. So to have a tool that we enjoy in that is really important. Pick a broom that you like, one that feels good in your hands and that you can use in this caring for the skin of your home. Also, there's an interesting link with brooms and witches. Why is it that there's this classic picture of a witch on a broom? And I don't know. I don't know the lore behind it. I don't know where it originated. But I do suspect that the people... Oh, to back up. I think the term witch has a lot of misunderstanding around it. And when I use it, I mean somebody who is connected to the rhythms of the earth and is exploring their own power and is wanting to use that power and the ability to work with energy for good. And I think that people who understood and understand energy and the natural world and can work with that and maybe even manipulate it are understandably often misunderstood and hence the terrible things that have happened to witches. Witches on brooms. I think that somewhere in that symbol is the suggestion that brooms are important and perhaps that the person who sweeps the floor and knows all those nooks and crannies has power that might not be often seen or understood. Like, is it perhaps the person who sweeps the floor before an event or who sweeps the floor afterwards, who is wielding a certain magic that sets up and unwinds the event? That's a powerful position. There's a humility to it, but there's also a tenderness and what they might see and witness and be able to do because of sweeping. Like, imagine where that goes. And do you see how in this physical act of sweeping the floor, I'm also suggesting the metaphor of going into the corners, of sweeping out what you don't want anymore, and that having a tool whichever one suits you, that enables you to do that, is really important to good housekeeping. And if houses are also a living metaphor of our lives, then sweeping is not something we should begrudge, but enjoy and do often, and even revere. Number two. Toothbrush. Okay, so toothbrushes. What do I want to say about toothbrushes? Well, mine is made of bamboo. Actually, three of these four brushes that I'm going to talk about are all bamboo. 
I'm really into bamboo these days. I love how it feels. I love how fast it grows. Yeah, so I have a simple wooden, or sorry, bamboo toothbrush, and I have a holder for it by my kitchen sink and in my bathroom because I love walking around when I brush my teeth and I often end up at the kitchen sink. So I also have very fond memories of brushing my teeth with my sister in our big bathroom growing up and how how many funny conversations and comparisons about our faces and the goofy things we could do would all happen during teeth brushing at night. So again, here's one of those things that like, oh, you gotta brush your teeth. Well, if your teeth and the hands and person who's tending to you is like frustrated every day when you happen to get some attention, that's not going to feel very great. So like put yourself in your teeth's shoes for a moment or in your teeth's teeth and maybe they're really looking forward to the brushing. Maybe they're like, we get tickled now and like, you know, it can feel so good to have clean teeth that are we not perpetuating this kind of disregard by saying that teeth brushing is like an annoying thing you have to do? Oh dear. Um, so invitations around teeth brushing, you don't have to do it in the bathroom. If you do it with other people, it's kind of this nice bonding experience and you can have goofy conversations while trying to keep the toothpaste in your mouth. And Oh, if you buy a nice holder for your toothbrush, I have like a bamboo tube, then you can take it along with you places and get that nice fresh feeling even when you're on the run, on the, on the run, on the run or on the road. (laughs) Number three is a body brush. This is the longest of the brushes. Mine is about a foot and a half long. It's a long bamboo handle and then almost it's not quite horse hair but it's sounds like this um about the size of the palm of my hand is this kind of coarse but not too coarse brush head and I use this body brush often before I go to sleep if you haven't experienced one of these I would highly suggest it it's similar to the effect of sweeping your floor now I don't usually have like physical dirt on my body when I'm going to sleep but the body brush sweeps off the little dead skin and in this either metaphor or actual way clears the energy around my body if you subscribe to the idea of auras then it's kind of like sweeping your aura but also touching your skin since our skin is the largest organ in our body taking good care of it naturally is great for the rest of our body. Some people find that doing this body brush sweep is too invigorating, so they prefer to do it in the morning instead of at night. I really like the clearing feeling before I go to sleep and the sort of like as if I've got all my skin back and there's nothing else sticking to it. So my preferred time is before bed. And I found this really helpful, especially when I didn't have a lover in my life regularly because sometimes being touched is the thing that allows us to feel our own skin it's almost like we don't notice it until we're touched and so 
by touching my skin with this body brush, it was like I could notice and reacquaint my whole body with itself and really understand that I was in this skin shell. And I sweep from the ends of my extremities towards my heart, the opposite way that um, things are often flowing to help the lymph get back in circulation. And it feels really good. It's The handle's long enough that I can reach to my back. And if you watch any relaxing, happy animal, they're always like tending to their body, like they're preening and licking and scratching and like dogs, cats, I, the monkeys, bonobos, which are a kind of monkey, birds, like everybody is tending to their skin and their feathers and their fur. And so to me, this feels like I'm being pleasantly animalistic of like, oh, oh, I got to get that spot. And it's also a gift you can give somebody else to brush down their body and feel the the sweeping and and invigorating feeling of that. I keep mine beside my bed to have it easily accessible. You can also use these same brushes in the shower if you want like the wet scrub kind of sensation. Number four, hairbrush. This is a wonderful tool to have whether or not you have hair because if you get the right sort of texture of bristles for your hair type or skin type then actually if you had completely bald head the body brush might feel really good on your scalp so then you could get down to three brushes the hairbrush i i like to think of my hair as these extensions of my thoughts. Like they're growing out of my head and because of how long hair lasts, it's also like from the past. And we seem to understand this in how we often feel the need to get a hair, I have and I've heard of other people, feeling the need to get a haircut when there's a significant life event. Maybe you have a breakup or a death or a new job and there's a sense like, I need a haircut. And part of that seems to me like the physical removal of the past, of cutting off that bit of your hair and how that can feel either relieving, it can feel like it's part of the morning, it can feel refreshing, just that how we how we treat our hair is partly how we're treating our past. And about a year ago, as I was moving through different stages of a major grief in my life, they're fine. I, I hadn't been able to cut off my hair at first because I was still <laughs> literally attached to it. And then come, it was, it was about almost exactly a year ago. I, I just felt this, like, it's time. It's time to cut that hair off. And I cut off a good portion of my, what was long blonde hair. And what was amazing to me was that I had known I needed to have 
to create some kind of ceremony around this death that I'd experienced. And it wasn't a person dying, but it was a a dream, basically. A dream and a relationship. And I hadn't been able to have a funeral. But when I cut off my hair, then I finally had a body to bury. I finally had something of myself that had been there in that time. My hair that had grown during that period of my life. And now I had something to bury. And it felt important and appropriate and to to bury that part of myself. So you might choose to leave your hair in the hair salon or you might choose to take it home and we used to put our when I was little we used to put our hair out for the birds to collect and use in their nests. Just almost like a sky burial. <laughs> and it's beautiful. Or you could bury it or you could if you burn it it really smells weird just be forewarned. Um, and and cu- haircuts don't always have to be mourning experiences, but they can be also an opportunity to have a symbolic expression of the past that you want to either celebrate or let go of or mourn or whatever. So there's an invitation there about what we do with our hair when we cut it off. But the hairbrush is about tending to our hair while it's still on our head. And to me, brushing is like aligning and, again, clearing and all these strands of my thoughts. Now, with all these metaphors, it's because I I see an opportunity in this everyday act to tap into a deeper awareness that helps me feel at ease and relaxed and embodied, which I've said before is one of my favorite words. I want to feel like I belong inside my body. And so I want to feel like my hair belongs on my head. Now, sometimes when it's all tangled, I want it to stay tangled. You see, when we have this understanding of, okay, if you have untangled hair, it feels a certain way. If you have tangled hair, it feels a certain way. You get to choose which feeling you want. And sometimes if your hair is like, tousled and or is it tussled tasseled in a tuss on your head from the ocean or the wind or your lover or your helmet you might want to just keep it a mess for a bit because sometimes all that sort of static stuck electric delight is great to wear around you know you just like shove it up in a ponytail put on a hat and go to work and secretly you know that this adventure is still stuck on your head, which is great. And sometimes it's like you need to kind of calm things down and smooth it out and sweep it back nicely because you want to feel refreshed or you want to feel clear-headed or you want to feel professional, (laughs) which is where hairbrushes are really handy. Be gentle with your hair when you brush it. Otherwise, one, it won't feel very kind and two, your hair will break. Again, find a brush that works for you. Feels good in your hand. Feels good on your hair. And then consider brushing somebody else's hair. Now, with all these brushes, we understand 
with it, when it comes to toothbrushes, we seem to understand that they're intimate. Like we rarely share toothbrushes. I personally think it's kind of weird that lovers so rarely share toothbrushes when they've shared like everything else in their mouths. But that's sort of a side note. <laughs> we understand that toothbrushes are private matters and hairbrushes slightly more so perhaps from a residual fear of getting lice, which is not super relevant in Canada, but still maybe a thing. But so we understand that brushes are intimate. And if you're going to brush somebody's hair, it can be this really lovely bonding thing. Again, like animals are always preening each other and tending to each other's skin for feathers why not offer that to each other as as a way to be close and to tend to each other often the we seem to have these kind of extremes of affection where we've got the like hug and then we've got the lover and unless you're a child there's not very many in the middle like kids get their hair brushed by their parents. They get snuggled. They get to sit next to each other, like next to their parent or their siblings for movies. They get to have sleepovers with their friends. Like they get a lot more physical contact. And why is it that as we grow up, we get less? We get we get like sexual contact perhaps. And then we get like quick hugs. And right now, we're hardly even getting quick hugs, which sucks. So hairbrushing is one of those beautiful opportunities to have like this middle intimacy where it's not sexual and it's more than a hug. It's tender, it's loving, it's bonding. And I suspect that the world would be better if more people brushed each other's hair. But make sure to ask and make sure to be kind because it is an intimate connecting experience. Now, to tie from that back to the original sweeping of the floor, I'd like to suggest that sweeping somebody else's floor is also an intimate experience and that sometimes it is such a good gift to give to offer to sweep somebody's floor. But only in rare occasions of established intimacy would doing so without request be appropriate. Otherwise, ask. Ask if you can sweep their floor. Don't just go into the closet and grab the broom and do it. Because that can be taken as quite presumptuous. One, they could be offended like you thought their floor was dirty and you were just trying to be kind. But also, because it's, you're about to get acquainted with the skin of their house, which, as, we've, as I said, was, is an extension of their body. And you're about to get to know the corners, and you're about to see the pile of their particular kind of grit, which is information that they might not have wanted you to have. So ask before you sweep the floor. And as I pause, I just, I hope you can feel this, the similarity between all these brushes 
because these tools have a thread of what they're up to about clearing and about sweeping. Even the word sweeping just sounds like, like you can, you know, there's an onomatopoeia like pleasant sweepingness to it. You can sweep something away. You can get swept off your feet. You can have make a sweeping statement about brooms and how awesome they are. So my invitation is to see if in these common activities of brushing your hair and brushing your teeth and brushing the floor, like what happens if you switch the words around and you say sweep your hair and brush the floor? Does that change your experience of it and kind of knock you out of that rut you were in about not liking things? And can you feel in all those experiences an invitation to feel more at ease and a little bit jazzed in the way of like, uh, when something sweeps over you of excitement or delight or music and you feel this kind of like, (sighs) brooms are waiting to give us that. Brushes are waiting to give us that. So let's not begrudge them any longer, but enjoy and use them as tools. I think that witches on brooms were onto something. And we've all got one in our house already, just waiting to be used. Waiting to be part of this refreshing, clearing, daily exercise. Thank you so much for listening to this Ode to Brooms and Brushes. As I said at the beginning, I would love to know who you are and what you got from this and your broom stories. Please go ahead and share this with any realists you feel could use a little magic and to give strangers at large a higher chance of encountering this, which could be helpful to them. Please aid the algorithm by subscribing, rating, and writing a comment on whatever podcast platform you use. And until next time, may you experience the mundane magic of the real world.